Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Happy birthday to you. All right, sing it, boy. It's Wes and Walker. Oh, I like that. Okay. Do that again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Happy birthday to you. Is that all right? Mm, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Me and Stevie. Like this. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate Willie P hopping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. If you missed it, you want to hear more on how you can get information, the event the bank is hosting for their watch party to watch Miami come to town, you can go back and listen to that interview on the website, WFNZ.com. You can also click on the Wes and Walker tab in order to find all of our interviews, all of our best of segments. Again, WFNZ.com. Then just click on the Wes and Walker tab. All right, let's. it's time now to go from Willie P, Playoff P, to Josh Fitty Marlowe with the live wire. What you got for us, Fitty? Man, isn't it funny how time passes by even when your football team isn't very good? Why do you ask, Fiddy? Because today is a very important day. Like, whenever you look back on the history of WFNZ... October 17th will always have a special place in this station's uh, memory. It's heart, especially yours, Walker. Same for you, Wes. I don't think y'all hosted the Charlotte Sports Today show the day that this happened. But one year ago today, Chris McClain was talking about a Panther football team that actually had more wins than this football team had. (laughs) Yeah. And his chair didn't give a damn. We should probably be the favorite to get number one, I think. I mean, this- Oh, my God! What happened? Whoa! Uh, you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> What happened? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 All right. You, you are, if you're just tuning in now. Okay. All right. Yeah, fighter, I, I can't really. I can't okay, I'm gonna, I think right. I'm going to have to get up and help him here. That soundbite is absolutely fantastic. There's somebody. Oh God, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back to the part where we actually hear it break? Can you just play the first like seven seconds of that soundbite once more? We should probably be the favorite to get number one, I think. I mean, (laughs) we need to use it. I don't know how I feel like we need to use it whenever the wheels are coming off of whatever team. 
and everything starts to collapse, we need to play that soundbite. So let's just say if the Panthers, we, we could say that's what happened when the Panthers got to the second quarter. It was Mac sitting down in the chair and then everything busting loose. And I remember coming in that day after Mac and Bone when I was still doing Charlotte Sports Today before the launch of Wes and Walker on November 14th, 2022. Look at you remembering dates. Walking into the studio and there was still the broken chair off to the side. And there were pieces all over the place. And I had to take a picture and I tweeted it out. And that was the crime scene that Mac and Bone left behind. I mean, that's hilarious. That's got to be one of the greatest moments ever at this station. Maybe the greatest. If you put together a uh, bracket style poll, I think that would be hard to beat. I think Mac has radio so ingrained into his DNA as well. To the point where when he was falling, he has to give you funny sound bites. And he also continues to talk about the Panthers from the floor because his chair is no longer intact. That's a vet. That is so radio of one Chris Mack McClain. <laughs> I, I, I still can't believe it's already been a year. I know. It's so weird. And, man. It does not seem that long ago. How has this team not made a chair fall out from under, underneath his ass while talking about him? I know, right? The well, Panther, he's the, I saw Bone put this out there, that Mag needed a bye week pretty badly. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's getting the bye week, so now all of our chairs are safe here in the studio. <laughs> this man yesterday morning at 6.02, guys, I'm not, I'm not mad or disappointed. I expected to lose by 6.08. I mean, six minutes. He was full of Greca in here, just ranting about mm-hmm. Hayden Hurst, you know, about all the little things that went wrong in another loss. So, yeah, our guy needs a break. I love this text from running Randall, 100% accurate. Man, every time I hear that sound, I think of Ezel from Friday. Oh, my neck, Ezel, my back, my neck and my back. <laughs> Ezel, I'm not the smartest man in the world, <laughs> but from over here, and I'll let y'all fill out the rest. Right. But love running Randall, bringing that in, 100% accurate. All right, now let's get to a more serious matter. New play caller for the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Brown. He met with the media earlier today over at the bank. And uh, he had this to say about the type of coach Frank Reich is to work with. Having a chance to be in L.A., be around uh, Sean McVay and learn and grow with him has been awesome for me. Uh, But also just have more of a hands-on approach being here with Frank. And one of the things I love about Frank is he is a great developer of coaches. Probably one of the best I've been around when it comes to giving advice, advice, but also giving you room and freedom to be able to grow. So that's been awesome for me in my development. Go back to last year when we got Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach. Doesn't Thomas Brown sound like the offensive-minded Steve Wilkes, the way he just commands himself at the podium, the way he talks so fluid? Every time I hear him, I think it's just the offensive version of Steve Wilkes when he talks. Yeah, I could agree with that. And you like everything that he said there. And so that's the thing, too, man. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. How collaborative will this offense be? Is he going to give uh, Thomas Brown the autonomy just to get out there and do his job and to show the world what he's got? Love what I'm hearing from him. I mean, there, this is why there's so much confidence in Thomas Brown, because this is someone that does seem to be holding players accountable. He does seem to be working very closely with Bryce Young. We don't have to have that question, and maybe they're just setting the table for this, so we don't have this conversation later on. But when we saw the Adam Schefter clip going around, Panthers 0-4, 0-5, 0-6 start, and then we start to go back to the draft process, Frank Reich, he wanted a bigger quarterback all along. He wanted C.J. Stroud all along. 
Well, now they're at least setting the table to where, hey, Thomas Brown wanted this guy. And I actually believe it. If you go back and listen to some of his comments when it's coordinator day and you hear from Averro, you hear from Thomas Brown, he tells you how much faith he has in Bryce Young. I remember there was one, it was during the injury, there was one comment, and he was talking about how if he believed Bryce Young should go out there and play even after he was injured and was missing the game against Seattle. Andy Dalton starts, of course. He says, would you put all your faith in Bryce Young coming back after so soon. He said, that quarterback, I would. I trust that QB more so than any other QB that might be dealing with this. And it just hit genuine with me. I feel like Thomas Brown loves what he has in Bryce Young as a quarterback. And so we'll see, man. I mean, 0-6 start. I guess it can't get much worse. At least I certainly hope not. There's two more cuts from Brown I want to play. Uh, first off, before I play the next cut, as fans of football, do you prefer your coordinators to be on the sidelines or do you want them in the box? It's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I don't know if I care. I think I'll for, see, I care. For me, I, I was I was talking about this with my buddy too because it, it was the first time that offensive coordinator Miller for Charlotte was actually on the sideline. I think he had usually been calling plays from the booth. I just feel like you can see things a little better from the booth. When you go to the All-22, it's a bird's eye view of it. You're a little bit higher, and I feel like you can see the field better. So I guess for me, in my situation, I feel like being up in the box would be better. But some people just get a better feel when you're out there on the sideline. Yeah, I normally like to be uh, more decisive. But I think with that, I'll leave it up to the discretion of the coach and what they feel comfortable with. I mean, some guys get a better feel for the game being down there, being on the sideline. And some guys can do better up in the booth. So to me, it's up to the discretion of said coordinator. Tell us what the correct answer is, Vinny. All right, well, he was asked about this, and, and here's what he had to say. Would you stay on the sidelines, or would you consider sitting upstairs to do this? Be on the sidelines. Why do you prefer that? I'm a pretty energetic dude, one, um, so I like to kind of move around a little bit, but also being able to interact with the players in between drives. That's where I've kind of been for the most part. I've had a chance to be in the box before. I think there's different perspective of both of those, but I love the in-between drive interaction with the players. Uh, it just kind of just fits me better. You love it. You love it fitting. I mean, look, it, it makes a lot of sense because you have that ability right then and there to talk with them about what they're seeing and, and what's happening. But I just think it's so much harder to make adjustments on the fly because you're not – you don't see – you just don't see the field that well. So I would just much rather prefer you be up in the box. Oh, I thought you did like oh, it. It no, sounded I, like that was no, a sagebrush side. No, I want <laughs> I want my coordinators. I want them in the I want them up in the booth. It's what I love about Dan Quinn because he's up there and so he can make the adjustments. Now, two weeks ago he didn't make a single adjustment, so it didn't really matter where he where he was. But I've always been a proponent of get up in the booth so you can see everything and make the game make the adjustments during the game. What do you guys think the coordinators are blind or something they can't see from the field? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean you can look at the alignment the way they lined up, you can see it clearly what they're doing. No, I mean I I hear you on that. It just feels like when look, I've been on the sideline just for media operations and stuff. So, mm -hmm. when you have play-by-play -play going on, you're up in the box, but I've also been doing sideline. Yeah. So, for me, it does feel like you can see where everybody is a little bit more so. But that's from a non-coaching vantage point. Yeah. Everything Thomas Brown said there makes a lot of sense because you do have easier and more accessible communication with your players rather than having to put a headset on yeah. talking to the quarterback you get to talk to different players and so i totally get it from that standpoint just for me the novice has that has not coached a football game in his life it does feel like i can see a little bit better from the box than i can from the sideline well see the thing is too what does down there be a media like 
your view can be a little obstructed or we can't go everywhere they can go. Like he can be standing right up there on the front line. Maybe you he can, can go I got where access. He, he, can, <laughs> he can go where he needs to go and he doesn't have to worry about any limitations. So I think that allows them to be able to see a it little makes bit sense. better than we could. The last comment from Thomas Brown. We've talked a lot about the progression that Bryce Young has showed despite an 0-6 start. He talked about the area he's seen the most progression from the rookie quarterback. I think the most growth for me is his comfort level with our offense, the operation, and just his command overall. I think it's a great feeling to be able to kind of find your voice and find your rhythm. And I think last week was by far and away um, the best he's been. And that's, that's going to be the floor for who he is, which is exciting to be kind of be around and see. And I think uh, his demeanor on game day, his energy on game day was awesome. He even gave a fiery halftime speech to the group, which I thought was spot on for who he should be, who we need him to be. And so just continue to try to find ways to put him in the best spot to be successful. He is getting surgical with it in a clean pocket. That's what you like to see with Bryce Young. Now, the problem is you're in the NFL and you're going to have a lot of messy pockets. And that's where it starts to get a little more dicey. But even on that play that you talked about in second take Tuesday, Wes, pressure up the middle, guard immediately, gives up a win on the opposition. And yet he still hits Adam Thielen in stride to set up a nice drive, 27-yard pickup. I do think we are seeing some nice things from Bryce Young, and it goes along to what Thomas Brown is talking about. Yeah, I agree with you uh, 100%. And so this is going to be fun to see these two together. I'm sure Bryce is very excited to work with Thomas Brown, and I think this is going to be uh, the beginning of an of an interesting relationship because we just don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's going to be fun nonetheless. All right, that will do it for the live wire. Hearing a little bit from Thomas Brown, we can go to more Carolina Panther conversation, still more coordinator conversation, and a lot more to get to here on Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hope you are enjoying yourself so far. And if you're just joining us, then welcome in. The text line has been rolling today, 704-570-9610, talking about favorite video game teams, the Panthers, whatever way they want to go, man, it gets crazy in there. So I have a good question. Okay. I want to ask what the most underrated moments in show history are. Because we were living the one-year anniversary of Mac falling out of his chair. The audio is pure gold. And that song, an underrated moment in show history for me, is when Fiddy admitted to not knowing what a barracuda was. That he did, <laughs> I remember that. That he didn't know that it was an actual fish. He literally thought it was just the title of a heart song. 
He was like, wait, I, I don't know. I yeah, just thought America I really said that. Yeah. something I had never heard of. I just thought it was the title of a song. And then he tried to clown me. Oh, okay, here, fish nerd. So yeah. I don't know barracudas. And then the text line had my back. They're like, nah, man, everybody knows what barracudas are. I mean, are. perfect toxic behavior. Josh <laughs> Fitty Marlowe to I mean, do something like that. Turn a mistake by him mm -hmm. into trying to roast you. Sorry, man. I'm more catching, you know, the catfish, the bass, the trout, like, you know, barracuda. It's just not it's not in the waters of historic Monroe or, or historic Lancaster, okay? No, I guess that's true. Catfish, bass, uh, trout, I don't think are. Yeah, Bo. Ain't no telling what's in the water out there in uh, historic Lancaster if and they Monroe. Make, if they make them like that guy over there, you're right about it. <laughs> you're right about that. Flounder and Fitty, they rose from that water. Lord knows what's in it, man. Wow. I don't know what's in it, but yeah, you're right. Barracudas, maybe not so much. Thought that was an underrated moment in show history. So if there's anything that we don't, like, maybe it's not in the rejoins that you guys remember. Maybe it is in the rejoins, but we don't talk about it as much. You can hit us on the text line. All right, Fitty, uh, Fort Mill, Matt says on the text line that you want that Madden Classic view. I guess talking about your offensive coordinator takes. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I don't know why. I've just always been that way. And, like, when Walker was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't know. Me as a fan, like, I care. So, you know, I forget. Is, this the, is, this, is he doing the same thing you just clowned him for doing? Like, no, like having I was just an opinion saying, or saying something? He's like, I don't really care. No, I mean, like for you, like you just don't care. Like, like for me, like whenever I find out my coaches don't want to be in the box, it annoys me. But now Big Cat Dan said he'd rather his defensive coordinator be on the field, which I guess if you want to get in, you know, do some hard school coaching and you want to basically cuss them out. Maybe that makes sense, but I still prefer him to be up in the up in the box. I mean, Bill Walsh called plays from the field, and if I'm not mistaken, too, you're talking about the uh, the greatest show on turf, I believe, Mike Martz. You know, friend of the show, Mike Martz, offensive genius. <laughs> he Mike called Martz. plays from the field, and I believe when the Patriots had that undefeated season, Josh McDaniels was on the field as well. Well, so. I mean, let's just go to the head coach play callers. Yeah. I mean, if if you're well, to that's different. Well, but there's they still have the view. Yeah, but they're still on the field and you know they what I'm do saying? a great job. So if we consider the best play callers in the NFL, Andy Reid, Mike McDaniel, McVay. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they are head coaches for sure, but also they're on the sideline calling those plays. And so for me, it, I always thought you would get a better view up there. But here we are just naming the best play callers that also happen to be head coaches. I don't know where Ben Johnson is for Detroit. He's, He's on, on the, the field. field. Yeah. I mean, those are the best play callers in the game right now. Yeah. You didn't mention Mike McCarthy. Well, I didn't for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. God bless you. Because I, I do, I completely agree with you. I, Mike McCarthy, that game hurt my brain last night. <laughs> 9 one number says Lincoln Riley coached on the sidelines while at East Carolina. I guess really? it is true. You learn something new every day. I never knew that Lincoln Riley was at East Carolina. Well, and even we can just go to Oklahoma and USC. Right yeah. now, he's on the sidelines because he's a head coach. Yeah, I always remember because he was the offensive coordinator when Shane uh, was Shane Carden was their quarterback, and he threw for like 700 yards and nine touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I've hated Lincoln Riley ever since. Yes, yeah, a lot of guys like that. Garrett Riley's on the sidelines, so you could just go up and down the list of guys. Some guys like to be in the booth, and some like to be on the sideline, but it's a great segue because uh, we're still talking about Thomas Brown taking over play-calling duties. They give some anticipation, in my opinion, to their next game out of the bye week against the Texans. And so uh, when we talk about it, we heard some of the comments, some of the sound today. But just the question, how collaborative do you think the offense uh, will still be with Thomas Brown at the helm? 
I think it'll be real collaborative. I think what's going to happen is the only thing that changes is who deploys the play at whatever time they want to call them. It used to be Frank Reich, but Thomas Brown was working on that game plan the entire time. I think it'll be Thomas Brown now just deciding when to deploy those plays and also still coming up with what he wants to with Frank. Frank Reich's going to know what plays are in his arsenal. Imagine him calling something that Frank Reich had never seen before. It, if it works, great, but Frank is still going to want to say, hey, great play call, love it. Let's make sure I know about what's in your playbook before we actually deploy it on a Sunday because it is, after all, my job here. Like the head coach, he still has pressure to get this right because even if Thomas Brown doesn't get the offense fixed, one, that's going to hurt Frank Reich even more so, but I mean, Frank Reich still has a lot of pressure here. So, yeah, I still think it's going to be collaborative. It's just Thomas Brown deciding when to uh, allow these plays to go out there and uh, and Bryce Young to, to decide when to run them. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just the interesting question is, like you said, coming from the Rams, and we know some of the things that they'd like to do with either rock combinations, play actions, things of that nature. Have there been some things that Thomas Brown has been wanting to do, but Frank Reich maybe felt like it wasn't the necessary time to do so? Maybe he doesn't feel like they have the requisite personnel to be able to do so, or maybe he just felt like it was too many bells and whistles uh, to be involved in the play. And so that's the thing that's going to be interesting is that I'll put a number on it and said about four to five plays. How many plays will look different with Thomas Brown in there to where you can tell? Like, we think about it, we were talking about Shroppy making beats, right, and talking about producers. And it was some producers, we talked about tags that they put on their tracks. Where am I going with this, West? I say all that to say that back in the day, producers didn't have tags. You knew, you could tell listening to a track for about 20 to 30 seconds who did it because they had a signature sound. And so I say all that to say we've seen what we've seen from Frank Reich, but what are those four to five plays in a game, maybe even more, that we sit back and say, oh, that's what Thomas Brown brings to the table. This is what he's planning to do with this offense. And so that's the thing I'm very intrigued to see. When will you get those plays like you talked about in some of your first take Tuesday selections? Some of those plays that you saw from the Dolphins where you were like, wow, that's either something I don't see often or something I haven't seen at all. And so that's what I can't wait to see what is going to differentiate Thomas Brown and his way of doing things from Frank Wright. All right. So real Tar Heel writes in on the text line. Walker, didn't Frank say that he wasn't going to micromanage Thomas? Yeah, I don't think he is going to micromanage him. I think it's going to be it's going to be Thomas Brown's play calling duties on the once we get to Sunday, it's going to be his world. It is. But these guys are going to collaborate throughout the week. They're going to come up with a game plan every single week, and Frank Reich's going to know about it. They're going to know about the plays they work on in practice. It seems like the reason to hand the duties off to Thomas Brown is for Frank Reich to be able to oversee everything else that's going on, and he can pay attention to personnel. You don't forget Terrace Marshall Jr. anymore. So, all right, you're on the sideline. Hey, we haven't seen TMJ in a while. We need to get TMJ in on the field. Let's have him in this department or whatever. I Look, I've gone to this example a couple times. I remember Ron Rivera talking about all of the responsibilities that you have every single Sunday. He's like, man, being the head coach, you got to decide what Gatorade flavor is going to be in those jugs. There's a lot to get to. So, Frank Reich paying more attention to that rather than – worrying too much about what play is going to be deployed at each time. 
I think that's a, a good thing for Frank Reich on an 0-6 football team, and I don't think he's going to micromanage Thomas Brown, yet he's still going to know what is in the arsenal for Brown to choose from. Uh, yeah, I think he is going to give Thomas Brown some autonomy to be able to do what he wants to do. I think at this point, man, they're playing with house money. Obviously, you don't want to continue to take losses, but I think at this point, man, there's not a lot of pressure involved as far as, man, if, if we lose this game, this is going to happen, or these types of implications are on this matchup. I think he's going to really let Thomas Brown come out and show what he could do. At least that's what I think he should do, but I think that he will. And if you call him brilliant, and if you say how uh, you're blown away by what he's capable of doing, I don't think that requires a lot of micromanagement. I think that Bryce and Thomas Brown will collaborate together, talk about what he likes, what he doesn't like, and he's going to try to suit that game plan around number nine. And then I think he's going to go by Frank at you know whatever point in the week when they decide to meet about it. And if there's something Frank feels like that's egregious that may not work at all, maybe they have some conversations about that. But for the most part, I think this is going to be uh, Thomas Brown and Bryce Young's show together to see what they can cook up. 100%. You can text in on your thoughts. Again, 704-570-9610. And I, I know people are calling Frank Reich a control freak. I don't get that sense. Most coaches are. Well, yeah, I don't. It seems like they're discussing it being an extra level here with Reich. This is someone that has called plays wherever he's been, really. I mean, with the Indianapolis Colts for so long, he was the guy calling the plays there. So that's why I, I can't imagine, really, when Wright gets this job, if you want him, because you wanted an offensive mind, and that's why you decide to let go of Steve Wilkes, if you're David Tepper and you're the Panthers organization, then you probably did have the plan in place for Frank Reich to call plays pretty immediately. I know they're going with this whole... It was always the plan to hand over the reins to Thomas Brown at some point. I believe that. Ain't no way you can make me believe that it was supposed to happen after six games. Because we would have had a lot more questioning if they came out with that, right? Right. Can you imagine if, yeah, you know, the plan is for me to call the plays up until week six. And then once we hit that bye, that's when we're going to hand it all over to Thomas Brown. What? (laughs) I, I, I hear you if you are to do this then there is reason to believe that this time makes sense because the buy is important. That makes sense to me. But if you're going to come into the season saying week six, we were always going to change play call. How many times has that happened? I would love to know without some mayday situation. Owen six is as bad as you could possibly get. We didn't think they'd be Owen six. We knew that beating the lions and the dolphins was going to be really hard. But we didn't know they were going to be 0-6. That's awful. The offense has been maybe the worst in the league. So despite that happening, or you're saying anything other than that, you still would have given these play-calling duties to Thomas Brown? I can't buy that. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense when you try to bring that plan to me in the offseason. Because the the plan should be at least to play some 500 football. plan should be to win as many games as possible. And if the plan is playing out as you want it to, He's like, all right, well, you know, now we're going to hand it off. Thomas Brown, now you're up. Can can you make that make sense? I can. So that that's why I can't buy any of this, especially with Frank Wright calling the plays wherever he's been in any position of authority. Yeah, and uh, Shroppy from the side studio, I would imagine, asked if Thomas Brown's play calling drastically improves his offense. How much does that boost his stock as a potential coach in the near future? I mean, of course it is. I mean, teams are always going to look for the next big thing and – the flavor of the day in the NFL is hiring the young offensive mind. If Thomas Brown 
uh, fits that mold. And I think that's the direction they go. But I think just having that question in my brain right now makes me think that what if he does come in and elevates this offense, but you feel like you don't want to lose him? Could it be potential of Thomas Brown, uh, you know, maybe becoming the head coach of this team if he really does something great with the offense? Right. Just something for an alternate universe to think about. I Maybe not too alternate. I mean, because I think in this universe, you're talking about at the end of the season, Frank Reich being fired, right? Like, in, at least in that position, if things go horribly, horribly wrong and we continue to see this, it would be tough to see a scenario where Thomas Brown is successful and Frank Reich being fired. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You know, because that means the football team is playing better. Mm-hmm. And so if we are to go along the narrative that this was Frank Reich's call and that this was always the plan, then it would be in part because of Frank Reich that this team turned it around. And so if it is in part because of Frank Reich that this team turned it around after the bye, and then you want to fire him, that wouldn't make any sense either. So this is why I do think if Thomas Brown is successful as the play caller, then that means we'll probably see another season of Frank Reich. It doesn't mean I guess they're going to win a ton more games. The bar is really low. You're still going to lose games, and the offense could look better. That can absolutely happen. But the odds are... If the offense looks a lot better, you'll probably squeak out a few more victories here and there. They're going to look better than what you did in the first six games. And therefore, you're probably, for stability's sake, holding on to your head coach and your offensive coordinator. All right. So now we remember last year when Steve Wilkes took over, there were some guys who hadn't been playing as much that ended up getting some playing time and making the most of those opportunities. And you talk about guys like Deontay Foreman and Terrence Marshall and some of those guys. So could there be potential here with, Thomas Brown coming in, maybe having different philosophies, different ways of attacking defenses, that there could be some players that could benefit from him stepping in that maybe he sees, not necessarily that he thinks that they're not being used right under Frank Reich and he's just waiting to usurp that type of authority, but just a guy that maybe he can see, all right, maybe if I try him this way, maybe he could flourish with what I want to do. Is there a guy on this offense right now that you could see breaking out under Thomas Brown? It's hard because we don't we've never seen Thomas Brown call plays before. Yeah. It really the most logical thing to me would be to look at the Rams offense. Okay, if you think that there's a heavy influence from Sean McVay on Thomas Brown, then we got to go watch the Rams offense. So, maybe you're talking about some wide receivers getting in space a lot more. That would be interesting to me. Throwing the football to your running backs a little bit more. We saw that when they had a stud like Todd Gurley. You know, they would throw the ball to Daryl Henderson a little bit, C.J. Anderson when he was there for the postseason run. So maybe you're seeing the running back get involved a little more in the pass game. Tight ends have never truly flourished there with the Rams. They did with Frank Reich, and Hayden Hurst wasn't doing much, despite Frank Reich being the head coach. So I don't know if this is some kind of savior for Hayden Hurst to be more productive out there in the football field. If we were to pick up what we've seen from the Rams offense, it's hard, but that's the best thing we can go off of. The best thing I could say is maybe Miles Sanders turns it around a little bit because he's not going to get 0% of the snaps. Hopefully we see Chuba Hubbard run between the tackles a lot more than Miles, but I do think Miles is still a better route runner out of the backfield than Chuba is. I do think he's probably a better receiver despite some of the bad numbers he posted in Philly. They just would go different ways. If they would just, they have so many weapons in Philly They would go with Kenneth Gainwell, who was a receiver in college. And so I still think Miles is a little better than Chuba in that regard. 
Miles Sanders is the guy that comes to mind, especially with a former running back that Thomas Brown is. Maybe that's the answer I could see. We see an uptick in his production. Yeah, for me, uh, and James from Concord, he says Hayden Hurst could be a candidate for that to happen. He talked about how much he used Tyler Higby in L.A. Uh, I think a guy that could stand to have some upgrades is a guy like Jonathan Mingo. Now, I'm not sure that like we talked about with Bryce Young, how they said that they would uh, simplify the offense for him and things of that nature. And so maybe Thomas Brown gets in there and just simplifies things for Mingo. I don't know if they've already done that or what, but maybe this is a candidate, a young guy that he sees, all right, you know, if I just get him started, maybe get him some early touches in the game with some simple stuff, then kind of move him up as the game goes along with some of the more intricate things, then maybe this is a guy that we could see start to make plays as well. Yeah, and perhaps I downplayed the tight end position a little more. Like, I know they had Tyler Higby. I actually didn't realize he had 69 receptions in 2019, but even more so just last year. If you want to go to 2022, he had 72 receptions in 17 games. He had 620 yards, so not a lot of downfield passing attack with your tight end. But, I mean, I'll take 600 yards from Hayden Hurst or something on pace. If you're giving me, what, something like 30, 40 yards a game? That's what Higby had last year, 36 and a half. That's very serviceable from that position. So I, I could see that maybe a little bit more so. Maybe I shouldn't have downplayed the tight end position as much. The thing is, if you go back to last year, Cooper Cup was the featured target. They were throwing to Higby out of necessity. But that could be copy and pasted here because it's not like they got a lot of targets outside of Adam Th- Adam Thielen. So maybe I downplayed that too much. Maybe Hurst is somebody that could benefit. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see and how he's going to use this offense. And if there will be some breakout candidates, I think the fans would certainly welcome that, especially if it is uh, a guy like Jonathan Mingo. That would give more hope for the future and uh, fill a position that, the Panthers feel like that they need to find that number one guy for the future. So we'll see. But Fitty, last flash of the day. Let's get to it. Fitty. Well, guys, next week we'll be in Uptown Charlotte for ACC tip-off. And yesterday... The preseason top 25 poll was released, and a couple ACC teams found themselves preseason ranked. Duke comes in preseason number two, Miami uh, preseason number three, North Carolina, the last ACC team to be preseason ranked. They come in at number 19. Not a bad number for the Tar Heels after their embarrassment a year ago, but all eyes will be on Duke when we get to ACC tip-off next year will we'll have the same expectations that Carolina had last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's going to be the big story of Media Day. You're going to feel the buzz when they come through because Duke is certainly a team that's looked at as a national title contender. Going to be a fun team to watch. They're stacked and the pressure certainly will be on this group. Fiddy's going to get mad at me with some Tar Heel analysis as the college basketball season rolls on. He's going to call me an anti-heel fan. He's going to call me a heel hater that I'm not a real one and I get all of that. But I still have a little bit of that Carolina blue blood that runs within my DNA. I think as Tar Heel fans, I feel like we're in a pretty safe space right now because we are coming off of what was an awful year. And I believe in the talent on this squad. You know how much I like Harrison Ingram. Just a different player. 
Just somebody that isn't, no, he's not going to give you 25. He's not going to come in like the Harrison Barnes as your other fantastic small forwards to ever come within this basketball program. But outside of Armando, and you got a lot of passing Armando. on that squad. I'm just excited about the ball movement. It's going to be Duke with the highest expectations, and so we don't have all of the pressure that last year's North Carolina team was experiencing. There's still going to be some. It's North Carolina basketball. But I feel like we're in a good space. I'm really excited to see what this season holds for them, and it's just going to be a little bit of a different brand. It, that that product's going to look, to me, a lot different than what it did with R.J. Davis and Caleb Love running the backcourt with Elliot Cadeau and Harrison Ingram as big-time ball yeah, facilitators. Yeah, Cadeau clips have been uh, circulating online, and he certainly looks like quite the exciting prospect. But when we come back on the Wes and Walker Show, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. In honor of the one-year anniversary of Mac falling out of his chair and that audio blessing these airwaves, it's among the best audio bites that we've ever heard in our entire life. I asked the question, what are some of the more underrated moments of Wesson Walker? Because I think some of the best moments are archived in our rejoins. We get to hear them quite a bit. But what are some of the more underrated moments? We do have Panther Bo, Purdue fan, saying, what about that KK Short interview? Boiler up. Yeah. It's fun to have KK on. Yeah, no doubt. It would be something a Purdue fan writes in about an underrated yeah, moment. Yeah, exactly. But KK was good. We'd love to have him back on. Uh, Fort Mill Matt wrote in, nominate the best moment. Fitty saying that he was a Giselle on the field. Yep, somebody else wrote in really that same thing, saying how about Fitty talking about a safari animal as Tom Brady's ex-lover. That was retired JV <laughs> kicker right now that went in. Yeah, people like... The Giselle and Gazelle mix up from you. The best part is like, because I can see your face. I can't see Wes's face. <laughs> I knew when I said it, I did something wrong because you had the, what the hell did he just say look on your face? Yeah. Which is how you look at me just about every time I talk. But this one, like, there was like a stern to it where he was like, nah, we're not letting this slide. And Oh, no, I couldn't. Look, I, and I've had him too. I have my moments with the names, Taysom Hill. Couple people will bring that up to me. Rough Neto Door. Yep. Oh, yeah, Rough Neto Door. I don't know why I saw that H for so long. I mean, that was when I was actually watching baseball a lot. And yet, for some reason, I still thought it was Rough Net, which, by the way, better name anyway. Change it. 
Rough Neto Door is a hard one. And it's easy to butcher some of those names because I get into a habit of if I see a weird name like that, I automatically assume which letters are silent and which ones are not. And so that causes you to end up butchering the name anyway. Yeah. Um, Cackalack says anytime Walker embraces his inner Mitch Kupchak. See, I need to make more rejoins and there are more Mitch Kupchak impressions for me. But right now we're just rolling with Clifford the Big Red Dog. That one gets me though because, and maybe it's because you just sell it really good. I could see senile Mitch saying something like that when he's up there talking wild about his Hornets team. The, uh, the, one, this one for me from Wes is a, is a favorite. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. <laughs> I mean, just plain as day, but the, the honesty. He's like, yeah. Yeah, he was. It was just a matter of fact from yeah. him. Like, I don't know if y'all know this, but I think about Pop-Tarts a lot. Then when I did uh, Rocket from uh, Avengers. I don't remember you doing that impression. I don't remember that either. Uh, Oh, yeah, I do. That was a while back. Yeah, yeah, very early. Because you told us you like doing impressions. And then you told us that you did a rocket impression. Yeah, has a ginger wife. When we were out at the Spectrum Center, talking about Feastables D's Nuts candy bar. Yeah. (laughs) That's one where we do not have a rejoin. When we went to uh, the Ale House out there on the south side, that was pretty fun when we were out there. Out where? Say it one more time. Yeah, uh, at the Ale House out there uh, on the South Side, remember? Carolina Ale House. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yes, that one. When we saw Virginia, oh no. Yeah. When Kihei Clark throws the worst pass in Virginia history after the best pass in Virginia history <laughs> to Mabade in uh, or Mabade. Uh, uh, oh God, Diakite. Mabade Diakite. Okay, thank you. Sorry, that was tough. I was trying to get, bring knew, back painful memories, man. So after the best pass ever, it's the worst one, and then bye bye Virginia. Furman hits the shot. Yeah. Yes, that was live, and we were going nuts at the old and Carolina. Was, do you want these nuts? The Which one do you want? Mm-hmm. There's the drop. What else you got, Fiddy? What'd you say, Wes? I said that you were scared to talk to the waitress, and I went and did your dirty work for you. You want to continue <laughs> to live that moment, or do you want us to move on, Fiddy? I think it all worked out for the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, Penn State. Penn State donned with a good one. We haven't talked about this one. The Checkers French Fry Seasoning Meltdown. Yes, that was good. We do not have that. I never followed up on it. Yep, we do not have that one, but we should have that one as part of a rejoin. All right, I did want to get to the soundbite because there was a hilarious moment on Monday Night Football's broadcast yesterday. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, those guys, you talk about chemistry. Whether you like them or not, they have been doing this thing for a very long time. And I thought it was a lot of fun. Once they showed Jay-Z was there attending the, uh, the Chargers-Cowboys game, Troy Aikman talked a little bit about his doppelganger. Jay-Z is in the house tonight, reaching for a refreshment. Yeah, there's a meme that's going around. People think that's my <laughs> doppelganger, you know, me, me and Jay-Z. You know, how about, I see how about, it. How about I that? Joe Buck kills me. I see it. I I thought he was, uh, Troy Aikman was funny last night. You've seen the meme though, right, Wes? I've not. Is it I where the face oh. changes into the other? Yeah, it, it's very convincing. Because the more I sit there and look at, think about it, I could see those two being like that. They look alike. They you, know, abs- you know Bryce Harper calls memes, he calls them memes. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, I like that, memes. Memes? Yeah. I Why like do you that. like it? It's kind of funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I thought Troy Aikman, that was hilarious because Pablo Torre, there was a podcast that he hopped on with him and Pablo brought it to light for him. 
And then that's the first time I think we had heard Troy Aikman discuss it. And then so he brought it to the Monday Night Football broadcast, and I thought it was hilarious. I think they're more re-energized now that they're at ESPN. Like, there's a different energy from their broadcast. It's really cool that they have the post-game interview with Scott Van Pelt. Just a few legends talking ball afterwards. I think that's a lot of fun. So I'm glad that they decided not to just throw a couple of NFL analysts there and see what sticks. They went out and they got a legendary duo. Do you think Nene calls him Mame? Mame Hilario? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. I know I don't want to <laughs> say anything mean about him because he'll put KB you in a chokehold. KB looks like he wants to say something. What you got, KB? That's what my kids call their grandmother on their mother's side. Oh, Mame. Canadian. They call him Meme. Oh. Yeah, so I learned something new several years ago. So okay. It is a real name. It's a real thing. It resonates with me. Well, look at that. My kids said goodbye to their Meme yesterday. <laughs> wow. All right, well, there you no, go. That was dark. No, I mean, she went back to her house. My bad. That was That's what I took from it, Kyle. Yeah, I, didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think as I didn't dark either. as Fitty no, did. They flew well, back no, up north on an airplane. No, you're just like, they, they said bye to her yesterday. I was like, oh. No, no, sorry about that. It wasn't, it wasn't a death announcement. I'm sorry. Woo! All right. With that, the darkest of transitions, we will move on, and it'll be the you Kyle You can tell they're not show. dads, Kyle. You know what I'm saying? I know what you meant. You know what I meant, right? Drop that in all cash. All right, there's Kyle Bailey in the background. We'll get him on the mic alongside Smoke Ludwig. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.